Today's podcast is brought to you by Auto Conversion. B2B companies are faced with a multitude of challenges today when it comes to sales and marketing. The perpetual need to be creating demand will almost never subside. But with so much noise in the marketplace, how can your company's message cut through and reach your target audience? At Auto Conversion, we have a way. Through conversations and relationships, we help our clients form, package, and deliver their branded messages in unique ways that create awareness, spark interest, and drive demand. Find out how in our brand new B2B Demand Generation Quick Start Guide, which you can download free today at www.autoconversion.net or by texting ACB2B to 555-888. That's ACB2B to 555-888. If you aren't growing your business, then your business is shrinking. Get the free guide today. Hey, we got a good show lined up for you today. 20 years into the internet for the auto industry. To me, that's the biggest change of what's going on. Today, I've got a just a just I think it's going to be a, an exciting conversation. Special guest today, waiting in the wings, is Ian Coburn. Ian is a former comedian. Actually, I, I can't say former comedian because I think once you're a comedian, you're always a comedian. But he's a former professional comedian. He's also author of the book, The Customer is Never Right, which I am reading. Um, and we'll get into his book a little bit. It's a great book on soft skills. But really what I brought Ian on is he's got some background in the trucking industry. And you know, here on, on the show, we get into self-driving cars, autonomous vehicles. Uh, we get into hybrids, electrics a little bit, but autonomous tech is a fascinating subject. We talk about Tesla a lot. One thing we don't talk a lot about is the trucking industry. Uh, self-driving trucks has been in development for years now. There's some now even hitting the highways. I'm going to play a video in a moment of a news report of an autonomous driving truck uh, in Florida just a few months ago. So we'll play that as well. So here's what we're going to do. Um, I, I told you I'd keep on the beat with Boeing with the 736, 737 MAX grounding. That was a good Freudian slip there. Um, <clears throat> the... To bring you up to speed, if you're not in the know, uh, early March, I think March 13th, a second 737 MAX 8 Boeing plane went down. Uh, This was with Ethiopian Airlines. The first one was with Lion Air, uh, which is, I think, a Southeast Asia airline. And that brought off alarms. Why would the same plane go down within a six-month period. Not the same exact plane, but the same, same construct. And so the controversy came because most of the airlines around the world grounded the planes that, that build almost immediately, with exception to U.S. planes. The FAA did not force the grounding. And the, the airlines in the U.S. that have that plane, you have Southwest and American mostly, combined had about 60-plus planes. They did not ground them either. And it took a couple of days, and President Trump finally said, nope, we're going we're gonna to force these planes to be grounded. And I looked into it, and 
the the challenge here is that there were safety features that were optional for the planes. The, the, the Boeing made them optional. It's a big business to have optional features. These were not mandated features by the FAA, and so they were optional. Well, here's the deal. The planes that went down, those airlines did not purchase those options, those safety features. And I will spare the details. It's a little bit complicated, but it has to do with the autonomous features, the, the uh, thrust and the, uh, the pitch of the nose. There's some safety features built in there, and these airlines did not have those, but the U.S. airlines did. So I think one thing that I've observed out of this is that those safety options are not shortcutted in the U.S., but why they are options in the first place is a matter of controversy. Now, there was a big write-up on the Wall Street Journal about that, explaining the, the, the technological aspect of it. I was affected by this in the sense that I was uh, scheduled to be on one of those planes coming back from my flight in Denver last week. Southwest had to reroute me, ended up um, having to do two different stopovers, two different layovers to get back from Denver to Detroit, which was a hassle. And on one of those legs, I was sitting next to uh, a, a pilot with Southwest. And I could tell he was reading some material, so I kind of picked his brain a little bit. And I'll, I'll keep his identity um, anonymous because that's not, I don't want to put him in any situation, but ask him some pretty pointed questions about what he, what he knows and what he thought. And um, here's, here's my takeaway. <clears throat> and I did ask him point blank. I, after he explained what the issue was, the pilots that were piloting these flights in Ethiopia and, uh, and with Lion Air, especially with the Ethiopian ones, dig this, the, the captain of the pilot had only, I think, about 8,000 hours of, of flight time, which if you're in the flying business, it's not a lot. You typically are going to have tens of thousands, if not 100 plus thousand hours. The co-pilot had in the hundreds. So the problem that I see, here's what I could speculate. The problem I see is that with the lack of these safety features, these alert features, these pilots faced with not an not a normal scenario, but not an abnormal scenario, really didn't know how to respond and navigate out of that situation. And I asked the gentleman, the pilot next to me, I said, if you were faced with the same situation where the alert systems were failing and you had to peel back the autonomous features and take control of the plane, do you feel confident that you would have been able to uh, keep the plane safe? And, and he did. He said, yes, I feel confident enough that I would have been able to deal with that situation. So really unfortunate, the cost that this comes to. And, um, and uh, you know, we'll see what happens. This uh, could be a big impact on Boeing. Right now, it's not quite yet, but it could be. We're going to stay on top of that. So what I'd like to do is with that is bring Ian on. All right, Ryan. There Thanks for having me. Can you see me okay? Yep, looking good. Perfect. Well, hey, welcome to Auto Converse on Air. It's a little bit longer than I normally take to open open up, um, but I, I promised myself and 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 my viewers and listeners that we would stay on the Boeing story. Uh, you know, from what I understand, the seven thirty seven Max Eight is considered one of the most 
uh, it's one of the most progressive. It's one of the newest, but it's considered a just a state of the art plane, and and Boeing's names behind it. Uh, they produce about oh, what was it like fifty, something like fifty a month, I think. Wow. So right now, all the all the orders for these planes are right now on hold. Um, this is a this is a a decent dent for Boeing financially. It's not going to kill them, but it's a decent dent for them. It's more of a PR political thing, especially because we don't know what's going to happen with it, right? Sure, um, sure. And they're gonna and, and at some point people go, well, should we be looking at some of their other planes? And it could have a a ripple effect over there too, right? Yeah, I mean, you order these planes in advance. Southwest and American has been flying these planes for over two years now with, with no problems. So, you know, as I said in my opening statement, it seems to be more of a training and piloting issue. I, but I do think there's going to be some controversy around why the safety features uh, were not, are not mandatory, and I'm, I'm positive that they will be. But all this ties into autonomous technology. To me, that's, that's, what I, that's what I'm honing in on here is autonomous tech. In my conversation with the Southwest pilot, what he explained is that <clears throat> so much autonomous technology is being introduced in the, into planes every generation that pilots are now not required to learn how to fly the planes manually the way that, the way that he was and the way it has always been. And, you know, going into today's subject into self-driving trucks, you know, it's the same thing. We're starting to introduce all these self-driving autonomous features into trucks. I believe we will always need operators on these trucks, at least for the foreseeable future. So you've got some background in the business, which we can get into in a minute. But why don't you give us your take, Ian, on the state of the trucking industry now and the future of the trucking industry and how self-driving and electric trucks are going to impact that? Yeah, well, first, what we learned from Boeing is that when we're creating anything, autonomous or electric, whatever it is, we're doing something... We have to be very careful about how we do it because there's always a human side to everything. And so, you know, that's what happens. You get some fatality, something happens, it's very tragic. Things are going to be picked apart. Oh, you had two. We know that Boeing goes in and and safety is the utmost concern. And they're following regulations and laws. And this safety feature probably goes above and beyond, which is why it's optional, perhaps, right? I mean, we don't know. But we do know that when something happens, it's going to be picked apart. Oh, you had too much authority. Oh, you were rushing too fast to beat your competitor. And autonomous trucks can run into that same problem if you don't think about it now and get out in front of it. So first of all, let's understand why autonomous trucking is so important and why really it's leapfrogged auto. I mean, auto was ahead in that game years ago, and suddenly it's the heavy-duty trucking market that is, is really pushing for this and moving faster. Well, it's because a lot of people don't realize this if you're not in an industry. There's a tremendous shortage of truck drivers. We cannot get them. It is the number one problem in the industry. And that's going to become a problem for everybody somewhere down the road because we need our products delivered. And and we're used to getting stuff delivered overnight now. Let me interrupt you. So what you're saying is that the push for autonomous tech is largely um, influenced by the lack of drivers in supply 
to drive the 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 trucks to to meet the demand of of shipping of trucking. Absolutely, yeah. Okay, because that's that's the number one challenge. So that kind of flies in the face of of a news reel that I saw recently that proclaimed that autonomous self driving trucks will jeopardize two hundred and fifty thousand jobs. Yeah, there's going to be more truck driver vacancies than that in you know the next five years, perhaps. It's, there's already tens and tens of thousands of them. So it's it's just not an accurate. Right? So it's, you know, it's just not an accurate statement. It's it's um, what do you not media hype, but maybe it is. Maybe that's media. Hype. I never buy into the whole idea that robots and autonomous tech will replace jobs because. It's the other way around. It changes the types of jobs that humans need to do is what it does. It creates, to me, it create, all these things create new jobs, jobs that don't exist. Well, and what you taught, what, what, that article is a great example of showing the human side of something, right? There's a, there's a technical side, there's a logical side, and probably somebody who wrote that heard, you know, hey, there's technology coming in. We're going to have autonomous driving vehicles. Oh, that means someone's going to be out of a job. That's an emotional response. But when you start digging, you go, hey, it turns out, logically speaking, this is something we need. And so, again, that's, that's where I get nervous about autonomous vehicles because I think we missed the human side of it. And that, that's important. We have to make sure we're thinking about that. Explain what you mean by you get nervous about the idea of autonomy. Well, okay, so, so we have it in our head, these trucks are gonna go down the road and at some point there won't be a driver in the truck. I mean, if we're not getting enough drivers, it has to go that way. And even if there is someone in the truck, like in the Boeing plane, they couldn't get over and solve the problem quick enough perhaps, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's the perfect image in our head. But the reality is that somewhere along the line, there's gonna be a fatality with an autonomous driving truck, right? And just ironically speaking from my own experience, my mom was in an accident this past weekend with a semi truck, a very serious accident. She's doing very well, but she's going to be in the hospital for six weeks. A lot of bumps and bruises. She's 77 years old and she's then going to go into physical therapy. So it's going to be a long process. Now my family does not have any animosity toward the driver. We're empathetic. I'm in the industry. So I understand a lot more about, you know, truck is, is your, it's, it's your baby, um, the impact this has on their job and their route and investigation and all these different things. And we believe that she did everything she could do to avoid this accident. Now, here I am in the industry, and I will tell you that my feeling, I thought about this, how would I feel if it was an autonomous vehicle? I, I believe that an autonomous vehicle in my head, even though it's not right, that it didn't do everything it could do to stop from having an accident because. It doesn't understand what could really happen when it hits someone. So how do we get in front of that? We've got to, you know, I'm thinking, hey, as we build these trucks, we should, we should be working with grief counselors. What do we do to get in front of this when it happens? Okay, so let's put some features in the truck so that when we get a gut reaction, we can go, okay, these trucks will shut down. So when it's snowy or rainy, which was the situation for my mom, they can't drive. They'll pull over. We have to have a driver or the driver's already on the truck. 
he takes over, he or she takes over. Oh, it won't drive, drive at night. It won't, you know, when the traffic reaches a certain level, they'll stop driving. Get those features in there now so when there's a gut reaction, we can just activate them instead of going, uh-oh, we've got to pull them off the road and add those features. To be clear, and I'm sorry to hear about your mother. I appreciate you sharing oh, that, but I'm glad she's you. okay. Um, just to be clear, the, the accident she was involved in, was it wasn't with a, a, a self-driving truck, right? You didn't no, experience. absolutely not. Absolutely okay. not. Okay. But from what you know of the accident, do you feel that um, uh, a truck with self-driving features might have been able to have, help avoid it? it? It might have been. But if it didn't, my initial emotional reaction is that it didn't do everything you could do to stop because it doesn't understand yeah. the real ramifications. And, and, and that can be used you know, in politics. And that's something I don't think we're focusing on and we're aware of is that if someone's in politics, they want to stay in politics, they want to stay in power. There's other people who want to get that power, they want to get elected. And something like this is something that can be used very quickly to say, hey, now, this 20-ton vehicle is rolling down the road, taking out families. I mean, we all see how easy it is to lock on to one thing. That's what you want as a politician. We see it with the wall, right? And whether you're for the wall along Mexico or not for it or indifferent, we all see the emotion it creates. And so, again, our industry, we want to be aware of this so we can get in front of it now. And so we don't find ourselves suddenly that topic that a politician's picking on where suddenly they could take our trucks off the road just because they want to get elected. From what I understand, from what I know, about 40,000 people are uh, killed each year due to automobiles. So the way I see it is, if autonomous tech lowers that number over time, it's a win, right? It's not going to wipe it out. As long as that number goes down, it's a win. So a absolutely. Absolutely. But here's where, here's the difference. And, and this is what someone will pick on. That's the logical side. It makes absolute sense. It can react better. We're going to see far fewer accidents. Very true. However, it only takes one because somebody can then paint the picture of say, yes, but when a truck driver or a driver hits someone, they have empathy. They understand what happened. Yeah. A, ton, a computer doesn't. Doesn't. So, so again, and it's that emotional gut reaction, the human side, that we, we just have to make sure we're aware of it. So we've got five minutes here till the bottom of the hour, and I, I do like to keep this to 30 minutes for, for everybody's sake. Um, so thanks for sharing that. And obviously, we could talk a lot about that. Ian, you, um, uh, you have a book that I'm reading, uh, The Customer is Never Right. And you've kind of... Kind of um, subtitled it and designed it to speak to those in the automotive and trucking industry. But the skill, the, the information here is, is totally universal to, to really any industry and any, anybody selling products, right? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, it was developed over the last 20 years in a lot of different industries. Um, when I got out of comedy, sales was a natural place to get into. And I was very successful because of the skills I developed as a comedian. And so I got tapped to train people and I started you know, uh, doing that and understanding what I was doing, why it was effective. And so back in 2016, as you pointed out, I got hired by Navistar since moved on working for myself. Um, but what I noticed is that 
there are these soft skills that are applicable in every industry. The truck and auto industry really don't talk about them or, or there's no real training on them. I had over 700 dealerships asking me to come train them. And I thought, you know, that's not efficient. I can't hit them all with live training. So that's a key reason I wrote this book. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's great for anyone in any role, just for your life in general, but also for sales and customer service. I just give a lot of examples tailored at the end in the truck and auto industry in a table format. So you can see here's here's the technique being used. And I also do it in other industries as well in the book. But, the, but there's a strong focus on trucking and auto because they don't have their own book. And I thought they really need one. Well, it's a great book. And I, you know, I've got different platforms to have conversations around stuff like that. And I, I, I did want to bring it up just in general so people are aware of the book. Again, it's, uh, if you're in the auto business or any, really any business, definitely look up the book. And we'll have Ian on uh, some different platforms as well. And uh, again, your, your association with the trucking industry really was when you were consulting with Navistar, correct? Yeah, I was hired by Navistar. Uh, to, to actually come in with fresh eyes from outside of the industry. They felt we need, we need someone to come in and, and analyze and see what could we be doing differently that we're not aware of. And that's where we really identified that soft skills was a challenge. And so we started doing those. Um, Navistar does actually make trucks. They make the international brand. Um, so okay. they are a manufacturer and they make the IC bus. Okay. And they also do a lot of military vehicles. And then of course, a lot of parts that go into those vehicles as well. So yeah, it's, it's you know, it's a, it's a, it's a great, Great company, and, and I applaud them for going, let's go outside the industry to get some additional insight. All right. So to be clear, Navistar makes different brands of vehicles. Correct. Okay. Because you never see the name Navistar anywhere. No, yeah. They, they're one of the few that doesn't have their name on it. You know, whereas you see uh, some of the other, like Volvo Mac, it's, it clearly says Volvo Mac. on it. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Well, Ian, thank you for getting up here and sharing this with us. Um, you know, it's, um, it's great to have you up here and appreciate your insight. Thanks for having me. And have a good one. So there you go, Ian Coburn. Um, really been enjoying getting to know him a little bit. Uh, I'm in Naperville, Illinois, about an hour out of Chicago, and he's in the town next door uh, in Aurora. And so we connected on LinkedIn, uh, chatted a few times, started on his book. And because of his background in the trucking business, I, I thought, let's, uh, hey, let's get you up here and have this conversation. So, um, so that was good. So thanks to Ian. A uh, couple of things as I, as I wind this down. I have uh, Dan Vega and Michael Garrison lined up from Blue Television. That's B-L-U. And uh, they have a really neat initiative going on. Blue stands for Business Leaders United. And so Dan... Uh, who's really the, the visionary behind this and the proprietor um, is coming on with, with Michael as well, who's really developing the business and are going to uh, give us a peek at what the Blue Television Network is all about. So definitely something to stay tuned for. We have, if you go to autoconversion.net, you will not see the watch pages anymore. I just want to let you know we've, we're eliminating those. Uh, they didn't serve the purpose that we had set out to do. So This show, you either watch it live on YouTube, you watch the replay, or catch the podcast, the Autoconverse podcast. And we appreciate everyone that tunes in uh, to the podcast and listens there. Appreciate the feedback we get. And uh, everyone that's here live, uh, we appreciate uh, anyone watching the replay. It's great. So I'm Ryan Girardi. Again, uh, uh, Autoconverse on air, future mobility and connectivity. 
how we're connected and the way we get around. And we'll see you here, same time, same place next week. Take care, everyone. This is Audiburst Media.